Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, welcome. We are so glad that you have joined us, whether you are watching online or on television or you're right here in the room. We are so honored that you are with us wherever you are and so glad that you are here. Several months ago, I was kind of on a bit of a road trip. I was by myself, and in the process, I drove right through my hometown, Warren, Ohio, and uh, thought to myself, you know, I think I'm, I just, I, did, I hadn't made any arrangements, it wasn't planned, and I just decided I wanted to go back to my home church, um, it, Warren First Assembly of God on Parkman Road in Warren, Ohio, and there was this little something in me, just kind of feeling nostalgic, I wanted to go back, and so I thought, I, 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 I don't have an appointment, I don't know anybody, but I'm just going to pull right in and see what I can find out, so I parked, and there were cars in the parking lot, so I knew there were people there, and I went to the, the sign where it said office, and I went and I rang the bell, and uh, it was middle of the afternoon, and, and nobody answered, so I rang it, waited a little while longer, nobody answered. I thought to myself, well, maybe the bell's broken or maybe, maybe somebody's away from their desk. I, I bet if I just walk around, I'll find an open door, which is exactly what they want you to do, right? Just sneak in, creep around. I, I figured that's, that's what I'll do. So I just started walking. So the, the church is a pretty big complex. They, they previously had a, a school there. And so there's, there's quite a bit of uh, space under roof. And so I started moving around. I got to the next door and I kind of shook it and I kind of looked in the glass trying to see if anybody was there and nothing. And so I went down to the next door and then I went down to the next door and I got around the very back of the building, probably about the fourth door or so that I tried. And as I I shook it, it was locked. And then I looked in and I saw this figure coming towards me. You get that little bit of a nervous feeling, right? You know, because it's like, what do, what do I do now? Here comes this guy, and what am I going to say, and how am I going to figure this out? And uh, as he got closer, I realized it's a guy I have known probably most of my life. His name is Les. He was one of the leaders in the children's ministry then and even continues to be uh, now. And I, I've known him since I was a little kid. And uh, he opened the door, and he let me in. He, he works on the maintenance team there. He even took me on a tour. So thanks, Les, for the tour, if, uh, if you ever happen to watch this. And it was cool to find the spot where I could get in even when everything else around me seemed to be closed up in that time. If you can get to the person who knows how to open doors, that's a powerful place to be, isn't it? We're in a series of messages that we are calling I Am. And we're looking at the I Am statements of Jesus seven times in the Gospel of John, twice in the book of Revelation. Jesus makes these bold claims about himself where he says I Am. Am, and he talks about who he is. Uh, last week, Pastor Scotty Gibbons was with us. He brought a powerful word titled, um, When Faith Collides with Reality. If you didn't see last week's message or if you weren't with us, I'd encourage you, go back on our website, go to, go to the Toledo Calvary YouTube or Facebook Check it out there. It was a powerful message. And he spoke from John chapter 11, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. We've also looked at the statements that Jesus made where he said, I am the bread of life, where he said, I am the light of the world. And today we're gonna move on to the next I am statement of Jesus, where Jesus makes this bold declaration of who he is. And we figure that in this crazy time in which we live, it's good for us to focus on the words of Jesus and on who he said he was. So let's look at this. John chapter 10, this is our next I am statement of Jesus. Beginning with verse seven, we read this. 
Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, and here it is, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The, the I am statement that we're looking at today is when Jesus says, I am the gate. If you have the uh, ESV, English Standard Version, or maybe you have the King James Version, it uses the word door. And we'll, we'll probably use those two words interchangeably a little bit in this message. He is the gate and he is the door. Now look, we're, uh, we're in football season, right? And one of the things that football teams will do when they practice is they watch game film. They go back and look at how they played in different plays. They look at other teams and how they played. What I wanna do is I kinda wanna rewind the game film on that passage of scripture and kinda break down for us what Jesus says, what he's communicating when he says, I am the gate. So let's go back to verse seven. John chapter 10, verse seven. Here's what Jesus says. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Now, now what you're gonna see over the next two weeks while we're in John chapter 10 is that the imagery that Jesus uses, and he makes two I am statements here, all revolve around the idea of sheep and pastures and shepherds. Today we talk about Jesus being the gate for the sheep. Next week we're gonna talk about Jesus being the good shepherd. And it's good for us to understand what he means when he says these things. So Jesus kind of naturally assumes that his audience knows what he's talking about when he says, I am the gate for the sheep. See, in, in ancient times and even still today in the region outside of Jerusalem, near Jericho, in, in, in the whole area that we would call Judea, there are many shepherds and they take care of many sheep and it's out in what we would refer to as a desert. Now there's different kinds of deserts, but this is the desert that you would find in this part of the Middle East. And what would happen is some of these places at night, shepherds would try to corral their sheep into these enclosures. They, they would sometimes back up against the wall of a, of a cliff of some kind, maybe up against the, the back of a canyon. And it would typically be these, these folds, these sheep pens that would be walled in with a wall about waist high. They would put um, thorny branches and things, almost like nature's barbed wire, all across the top of it. And with those, they would bring the sheep into these sheep folds so that they would be safe at night from predators and from thieves. And when they would build these, these walls that would hold in the sheep, there would be one kind of narrow opening. It was the only way in, and it was the only way out, and it was the door or the gate for the sheep. And Jesus says, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And it has in, in, implied here, especially when you look at it in, in the Greek language, it has implied here, I am the gate and there is no other. I am, and there is no other substitute, the only gate for the sheep. Now this is really important. And we gotta think about this in a, in a couple of terms. One is this, the claims of Jesus are exclusive. When Jesus says, I am the gate, what he means is I am the only gate. I am the only way to God, and we see this in scripture. Now, now, we'll get to this here in a couple of weeks, so we won't spend a lot of time on this today, but John chapter 14, verse six, tells us that Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus makes it very clear. There's only one way to God, and he says it is through me. His claims are exclusive. But when you read this passage, and especially when you know the bigger picture and context of John chapter 10, we also see that the claims of Jesus are inclusive. I think sometimes we get hung up on the fact that Jesus said, I am the only way, truth, and life. But maybe we need to think about the bigger picture of what he's saying here. Now, next week, we'll take more time to talk about the political situation that Israel found itself in when Jesus was saying these things. But when Jesus used these words, especially even the time of year when he was speaking them, he was speaking to a frustrated nation. Can anybody relate to that? Like he was speaking to a nation that was frustrated with leadership. There was a desire for change. They were wrestling with their national identity. Aren't these all things you're hearing on the news over and over again in this season? And in that season, Jesus speaks to people and he makes this inclusive claim. And he says, look, I am the gate for the sheep. And part of what he's saying is if you feel disillusioned, if you feel like you're searching, if you feel like you're on the outside, if you're not sure where you belong, know that you belong with my flock of sheep. You belong in my sheep fold. You belong where I can protect you and provide for you. Jesus is saying, I am the one that you can come to. Jesus is the gate for every person. And I, I felt really a sense when I was, was working on this message that that was so important for somebody to hear because you feel like you're on the outside. You wonder if you belong in church. You wonder if God cares about you. You wonder if there's any truth to this whole Christianity thing. And the reality is that I believe that Jesus in this passage and all throughout scripture wants to speak to you and say to you, look, you are not excluded from my kingdom. I want you to be included in my kingdom. I want you to realize that I am the one who has opened up the way for you. I am the gate. And we'll watch and see what comes with that in a moment. But I just want to encourage you, if you feel like you're on the outside, then this message may be just what God wants to speak to you. I remember several years ago, I went to this event, and when I got there, I just kind of looked around the room, and I thought to myself right away, I don't belong here. Anybody ever had that feeling? <laughs> like, I had this feeling like, man, I don't know, and you, your mind starts playing tricks on you. Like, I'm, I'm not dressed as well as other people in this room, or I'm not as important as other people in this room, or I don't know that I should really be here. Or, and I had all these thoughts that were running through my head, and I really felt like I was on the outside to the point that I was looking for, like, the, the furthest spot in the room where I could get back and sit. Like, I just did not belong. And I knew one of the leaders of the event, and I remember when he said to me, hey, Chad, why don't you come sit with me? That invitation changed everything. Because even if in my head I, I felt inferior to other people, or I felt like I didn't measure up, or I wondered what I was even doing there, when that person invited me, then everything kind of shifted because I realized no matter what everybody else thought, I was invited by the one who was in control. Look, when Jesus says, I am the gate, He's giving you an invitation to be a part of his family, to be a part of who he is. Isn't it cool to be invited? So Jesus says, I am the gate. He's the gate for every person. And then he says this, John chapter 10, verse eight. Jesus says, 
All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. This is really interesting. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, which would have been very common in that part of the world. See, you weren't only protecting sheep from wild animals, from, from maybe some kind of wolf or from some kind of mountain cat, but in that same place and time, you were protecting those sheep from thieves, from robbers who would come and try to steal them. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. When Jesus says, all who have come before me, he's not talking about like Old Testament saints. He's talking about those that maybe claimed to be messiahs but weren't, and he's talking about hypocritical religious leaders. And this highlights something. He's showing us that there is danger out there that there are things that we need to be aware of and we have to be careful what we listen to. It's interesting how he says this. There's thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. We'll hear this a little bit more next week when we talk about Jesus as the good shepherd and how the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And we'll talk a little bit next week about how we can hear God's voice and what it means to know him as our shepherd. But it's really interesting what he says to us here about these thieves and robbers. If you fast forward a couple of verses, you get to John 10, 10, where Jesus describes the thief. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The thief, who, who we know to be, anybody help me? <laughs> Satan, the devil, right? He's our enemy, scripture says. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's his job description. His business card has three words on it. Stealer, killer, destroyer, right? Like that's what he's come to do. And to do it, he works through many things. Sometimes he works through people in our lives. You, you ever been hurt by a person? <laughs> Sometimes he works through situations, curveballs that life throws our way. Oftentimes he, he works through sin. And the reality is that we have an enemy who's prowling around. First Peter chapter five, verse eight tells us to be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I saw a video recently online of a, a person, a lady, she was sitting having breakfast in a, in a pretty uh, fancy resort hotel that was in like a game preserve in South Africa. And as she was sitting there having breakfast, they could hear up in the trees, these monkeys start to make a chattering noise where they were sending out a, an alert, a signal, a warning. And all of a sudden, a leopard just came walking up into the area where they're having breakfast. I'll let, I'll let you search for it online and you can watch it and you see this leopard just kind of walk through the tables, just kind of move around. And this lady had the presence of mind to, uh, to, to film the whole thing, right? And it was like a two-level restaurant and at one point the leopard kind of crawls up on the top level and she's got video of the whole thing and he was looking for this, this uh, called a bush buck, this, this antelope kind of type of animal and he, was, he had been stalking it earlier and then got up there on the top of that restaurant thing and was able to spot it and just kind of slowly walked its way back down. Could you imagine that being your breakfast entertainment? Man, you got that cat just prowling around looking for someone to devour. And when you think of this, it's interesting, the, the lady that they interviewed, she said, you just had to stay calm and respect the animal. Yeah, I guess that's it, right? <laughs> just, man, how do you respond in those moments? What do you do when you realize that we have an enemy who's doing the same thing? What did Jesus say? He said, look, the sheep don't listen to that voice. There are thieves and there are robbers. But even though we know that's true, 
the sheep listen to the shepherd's voice. My question for you, and especially right now, where are you putting your attention? Like what voices are you listening to? I would challenge you that you would not only make Jesus the, the gatekeeper, if you will, of your soul, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, but what if he became the gatekeeper of your mind? What if you let him be the shepherd of your thoughts? What if you let him watch over your ears? And especially in a, in a, in a crazy season in our, in our world and in our lives, what if we would be careful what we listen to? Because there's so many things from our enemy who's prowling around to devour us that the shepherd says to us, let's be careful not to listen to those things. I wanna choose to live in unity and be careful that the things I listen to aren't stirring up division in my life. I wanna stay focused on Jesus. Look, look, there's places for cable news and there's places for social media and I think you should be informed and I think you should be active and especially as we're coming up on the upcoming election, I think you need to pray about how God would have you to vote and consider the important issues from a biblical perspective and, and do all those things. But at the same time, can we stay focused on Jesus? And I would encourage you to resist temptation, right? right? The Bible tells us here that the sheep do not listen to those other voices. So where are you putting your attention when temptation comes for those private sins or those relational sins or those sins in the way that we treat one another, in all those times, we have to ask, where do we put our attention? Watch what Jesus has said here. He says, look, I am the only gate and you are invited. And there are other voices out there. There are thieves and robbers, but the sheep don't listen to them. Instead, here's what he says, and he repeats it again. John chapter 10, verse nine, Jesus says, I am the gate, and implied there, remember, is this, I'm the gate and no other. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Now, there's a lot there that that verse tells us. One of the first things it shows us is that Jesus is our protector in danger. In those times when we face dangerous moments in our lives, Jesus is there and he's our protector. This image that the scripture uses over and over again about sheep is so powerful, not just culturally in that time, but it is today too. I don't know if you've ever been around sheep, but they're pretty vulnerable, aren't they? Like they don't have a whole lot of defense mechanisms. Sheep need someone to protect them. And I don't know about you, but I do too. And in the midst of that, it's important that we recognize this. There, there's a passage in Ezekiel chapter 14, or 34, excuse me. And I think a lot of us may, may miss some of these scriptures where God describes himself as a shepherd. And we're gonna, we're gonna look at these verses in Ezekiel 34 because they really connect with John 10. And look at what the Bible tells us. God says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. Doesn't that paint a picture? You ever felt like you were in a day of clouds and darkness? <laughs> you ever felt like you were in a place where you couldn't see clearly, where you didn't know what was ahead? You ever felt like you were in a place where there was danger coming your way? And God says that as your shepherd, 
He will rescue you from those places. That he looks after his scattered flock. He will come after you. He protects us from danger. So so I want to ask you a question, and and hopefully you'll think about this a little bit. What is the danger that you face? Now you might go, look, I, I don't have wolves outside my door, and I don't feel like I'm in a place of clouds and darkness. But I guarantee you there's some place where there's an enemy who prowls around that brings a dangerous scenario in your life. It might be clouds and darkness of fear that seem to overwhelm you. It might be thieves and robbers that wanna take something from you. And can I tell you that in the midst of that, in the midst of whatever danger it is that you face, and as you think about this, and the Holy Spirit kind of brings to your mind, there are things that you need to be aware of in your life. I wanna remind you of something, that Jesus is your savior. He is our savior. He is the one who's come to rescue us. He's the one who's come to save us. How did he do it? We'll see this next week. But John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is why we talk about how Jesus died on the cross. He gave his life so that you and I could be forgiven. He paid the price for your sins. He paid the price for my sins so that you and I could know forgiveness. And can I encourage you with something? It's not enough to just feel like you're safe. It's not enough to just feel like you've got it taken care of. It's it's not enough to just say, well, I'm a spiritual person or I think I've got it figured out or I mostly do good things. The reality is at some point you have to recognize I am a sheep, he is the shepherd, he's laid down his life for me. I call him my savior and I recognize that there is no other. I put my hope, I put my confidence, I put my trust in him. If you've been looking for answers in any other place, I hope that today you'll consider Jesus as the only answer as the only door, as the only gate for the sheep and know that if you need forgiveness or if you need hope or if you need peace, it can be found in him because Jesus is our protector in dangerous places. Jesus is also, he is our peace in division. Let me show you what I mean. John chapter 10, verse nine. Go back to that scripture and let's look at it. Jesus says, I am the gate and whoever enters through me will be saved. And here's, here's a passage that we might not understand. It says, they will come in and go out and find pasture. When it talks here about how they will come in and go out, it seems to have this message that Jesus is our peace in division. And that Jesus is our peace in division. There's language that's used here of come in and go out. You'll see this throughout the Old Testament. There's a, there's a passage in Numbers chapter 27 that says that one of the roles of a shepherd is to help the people as they go in and as they come out. It has this picture of freedom. It has this picture of peace and of liberty and of finding this, this, this purpose and this meaning in life. We see it again in Ezekiel 34, that passage where God talks about a shepherd. And he says this, Ezekiel 34, verse 13, he says, I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel. 
in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. He talks here about how they will come out of the places where they were and come into the places where he has for them. He'll take them out of the places where they've been in chaos, out of the places where they've sensed division, out of the places where there's been animosity, and instead he's gonna bring them into the peace of being in his land. There is a tone here where he says, I'm gonna pull you out of separation and division and disunity, and I'm gonna bring you into unity and to rest and to peace. Look, for many of us, there's so many unknowns in life right now, so many things that we're wrestling with, struggling with, trying to sort out in our own lives. And in the midst of those unknowns, things that have a tendency to divide us nationally, in our families, in our churches, in our own lives, the Bible says that Jesus can bring peace. Philippians chapter four, verse six, we read this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And scripture says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's something powerful about his peace. I'd encourage you, let Jesus bring you peace today. If your life seems to be in a place where you're just not settled, where you're frustrated, where you're disappointed, I think the very first step is instead of trying to figure it all out on our own, we say, God, I can't figure it out. God, I just don't get it. Let him bring a peace that passes all understanding. He's the one who protects us in danger. He's the one who brings us peace in division. And I challenge you with one more thing. Let's go back to John chapter 10, verse nine. John chapter 10, verse nine. Jesus says, I am the gate and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And that might not mean a whole lot to those of us who don't have any kind of a background in agriculture or in livestock, but there's something powerful there. It tells us that Jesus is our provider in the desert that Jesus is our provider in the desert. And this whole idea of finding pasture is, is really kind of important because you gotta remember that this scripture was written to people who lived in a desert region. As Jesus talking to them, he knows that as he speaks to them that they know what it's like to be from the desert. He's speaking to them in Jerusalem, but just a 45 minute walk from Jerusalem, just over the top of the Mount of Olives, you get out into a desert region that is kind of a barren wasteland. So they knew what it was like. Let's talk about a desert for a moment. Anybody ever heard the song Africa by Toto? Do you know the song? Anybody? Do, 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 do. You guys know what I'm talking about? Do, 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 do. One of the great hymns of the church, right? You know this song. Okay, there is a guy who has gone to this desert. It is the Namib Desert. It is 1,200 miles long. It is in Southern Africa. And he has set up this art installation that looks like this. It's an undisclosed location. He doesn't want anybody to know where it is. It's got these columns. On top of the columns are these solar-powered speakers, and there is one MP3 player, one, one little iPod, and that little iPod has one song on it, Africa by Toto. And this art installation, he calls it, is set up, and it is designed to play that song, solar-powered, for eternity. 
the song will just play over and over and over again. He said, I wanted to bring Africa to Africa, which is outrageous to me, right? He says, only the most passionate, loyal Toto fan will ever be able to find this in the desert, and I don't know who would even go looking for it. But when you and I think desert, we often think this, just sand and and emptiness out there, and we just think of nothingness. But it's important that we understand what the Bible means when oftentimes it talks about desert. And for many of us, it might even look more like a wilderness. It doesn't look like this so much, but let me show you this next picture. Maybe this will help you to see. This is more what that desert region outside of Jerusalem, Judea, that Jesus is talking about. This is where the shepherds would have kept their sheep. It was very mountainous and it was very rocky and it was very treacherous. This is a picture actually that I had the privilege to take back in March when we could travel. Do you remember when people traveled? (laughs) Took this picture back in March this is, this is the area that we read about called the Jericho Road between Jericho and Jerusalem. You read about it in Luke when Jesus tells the story of the, the Good Samaritan. And this area is filled with shepherds. This is in March. This is after a recent rain has soaked this area and, and there has been green that has grown up. And this is somewhat unique when you look at this desert area. Areas like this stretch for thousands of miles throughout the Middle East. And it is a place where people rely on sheep and on livestock in that area. And during the rainy seasons, you'll have these pastures that kind of grow up in different spots. But through most of the year, water is scarce, food is rare, and there are dangers everywhere. There are steep eroded cliffs that if you're not careful, they'll drop off a thousand feet in many places. You have to be a competent shepherd with skills and tools to know how to lead your sheep in these regions. It is a life-threatening, dangerous environment. There are bandits, there are hungry animals. So when a shepherd goes out, a shepherd goes out with a staff, with probably a four or five foot wooden staff that serves chiefly not just to guide the sheep, but it also serves as a weapon. Skilled shepherds would have a sling. Ever heard of little David and Goliath? And this is what it looks like in that region. And when there's danger, the shepherd looks to get his sheep into the sheep pen. He gets them there through the gate. And in these desert regions where life is dry, where it is desolate, that's where Jesus says, I will help them find pasture. I will help them find those rich places where they can be nourished where they can be provided for, where they can rest. Sometimes it might look like there's none around. Sometimes it looks like it's too dangerous to get there. But Jesus promises that he's a God who brings us his provision when we're in seasons that feel like it's a desert. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 14. Back to this scripture where God talks about a shepherd. He says, I will tend them in a good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself, this is God speaking, right? He says, I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. He says, if you are in a desert place where you don't feel like you have the provision that you need, where you feel like you can't get the rest that you need, he says, if you will look to me, I will come alongside and I will bring you that provision you need in that desert place. 
Now, I don't know that it's everybody that's in this room or that's watching this on a screen somewhere, but I'm pretty convinced that a lot of us know what it's like to feel like you're in a desert place. And some of you feel like you're in that place right now. Look, for, for some of us, and this, is, this has really just kind of been a, a struggle for me lately. Like I know for some of us, we used to see each other all the time. And we probably haven't seen each other in church for months. We haven't had an opportunity to connect. And for all kinds of reasons, not bad reasons. There's all kinds of reasons that we've been in this place. And maybe you feel like you're in a desert place spiritually. Maybe you feel like you're in a desert place because of what you've been going through right now. Let's, let's just speak candidly and honestly about the place where we find ourselves in October of 2020. Some of you are tired of a pandemic. And, and you just go, I just feel so dry. I'm just so tired of this. So, some of you are tired of the protocols, the distance, the masks, the questions, the, the conflicting news stories. And you just go, like, I'm tired of this. A lot of us are tired of the politics. We're tired of the constant drip of the election news and all the criticism and all the, the, the stories that float around. Others of us, we're just so tired of the unknown of this period. We're, we're tired of the things that we just don't have certainty or clarity about. Some of us are tired of the extras that have come. Like we're tired because we, we were never trained. We, we, we never signed up really to school our kids. We never thought we'd be in this place where we'd have to take all these extra steps. I read a really interesting article recently from a missionary in Africa who, who drew a connection between culture shock. Have you ever heard of culture shock? That's when you go from one culture, often one country, to another, and it takes you a while to get used to it. Like, like there's something about it that's just kind of a shock to your system. And this missionary said that he saw a direct connection between culture shock and how this season has affected us. He says, typically, when you're going through your life, you, you just do things automatically. You, you just do things on your own. You just do things naturally. But what happens with culture shock is when you find yourself in a new place, you have to think about the things that you're doing. You can't just do them with a natural rhythm or routine. And when you have to think about things more, it wears on you mentally, it actually affects you physically, and it drains you because of what you're going through. Now, I don't want this message to be a downer, but for some of us, we feel like we're in a season of culture shock. Now, I stress this because there's, there's this thing that's tired in our lives. There's this thing that we feel like we can't move past. And look, it's not just 2020, but like it's things in life. It's that doctor's report, or it's that job loss, or it's that relational struggle, or it's that thing that you never saw coming, or maybe it's like you just turned a corner and you went, I'm in a desert. I feel like I'm in this place where there's no life and there's just danger and I can't find any peace. And if you find yourself in that place, Recognize that Jesus says in the midst of that place, well, let me show you what he says. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus sums this whole teaching up and he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and mediocre life at that. Is that what it says? No, he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He, he says, I, I wanna unpack this life for you. It's forgiveness from sin and it's direction in uncertainty. 
It's peace in division. It's provision in our lack. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and that you have it rich and that you have it deep. And even in the most dangerous and divisive and kind of desert living of times, I've come that you may have life to the full. How do we receive it? He says, I'm the gate. I'm the door. Decades ago, there was an Old Testament scholar named Sir George Adam Smith. He was one of the most well-known Old Testament scholars of that time. He tells a story about one time he went on a trip to Israel. And when he was there, he had a guide that took him around to some pretty unique places. And at one point, while they were kind of out in a desert region, they came across a shepherd And so they went up to this shepherd with his sheep and they began to make conversation with him and he began to ask him some questions. And as he did, there there was a a fold, a sheep pen that we're talking about, the walls that were there. And and Sir Sir George Adam Smith said to him, "Is is this where the sheep go at night? And the guy said, yeah. He says, at night, when darkness comes, I herd those sheep into this pen because I know that there they will be safe. Smith kind of looked around at the place and tried to figure it out. And he, he could see the walls that went all around, but there was that opening. And he said, yeah, I, I get it that they go in there, but there's no door here. There's no gate. And this shepherd looked him right in the eye and he said, I am the gate. He says, when my sheep go inside, once they're there, once they're settled and darkness falls, He says, I I, I sit, I lay down right here between the the two sides of this opening. And see, when I'm there, I'm the gate. I'm the one who fills that gap. So there's no wolf that can get in here unless it walks over me. And there's no sheep that can wander out unless it walks over me. See, I love these sheep so much that I put myself right there in that opening. See, nothing gets to them or nothing comes past them unless it comes past me first. And he says, even in this dangerous desert place, I protect my sheep because I'm the gate. And I love that image. Do you realize nothing gets to you or from you unless it goes through Jesus first? And he's the one who protects us. He's the one who brings us peace. He's the one who provides for us. Jesus said, I am the gate. And if you look to me, I'll give you life. Life to the full. So right where you are, can I ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? And I just felt so strongly that I just want to pray with you. Look, I know that some of you that are watching this, the prayer that you need to pray is Jesus, I need you. I need you to be my shepherd. I need you to be my gate. I've realized that I can't do it on my own anymore. And I wanna give you my life. If that's you, in just a moment, we're gonna pray. It is the most important prayer that you could ever pray. And you simply just say this, Jesus, I give you my life. All that I have, I need you to be my savior and my Lord. I put my life in your hands. For others of us, what what we need is Jesus to protect us in some way. It's in our thoughts. It's it's with a person or a relationship or situation or a sin or or just we, we just sense this danger in our lives right now. And we just say, Jesus, I need you to be my protector. 
For others, this divisive season that we're living in is starting to wear on you, get the best of you. And you say, Jesus, I need, I need you to bring me peace. For others, you're, you're in a place where you would just say, God, I feel like I'm in a desert place. I need you to give me pasture. I need you to give me rest. I need you to provide for me, to do something special in my life in this moment. Right where you are, I, I believe that whether we're separated by distance or time, the Holy Spirit can come and touch your heart. So if you're open to this, would you, would you maybe put your hands out like this in a posture to receive? And as I pray this prayer, would you say, God, would you do something in my life? Jesus, we thank you for your word. It reminds us that no matter who we are or where we live, that you are the one who gives us life and life to the full. Lord, I pray for the one who in this moment says, Jesus, I need you. I give you my life. Would you even right now, Holy Spirit, just affirm in their heart, God, their, their chest is, their heart's beating out of their chest and then they just, they sense that you're doing something in their lives right now. Holy Spirit, would you do something and make them new? For the one who needs you to be their protector, would you give them courage? For the one who needs peace, Lord, would you give them that peace that goes beyond our understanding? And for the one, Lord, who needs you to just provide for them in this desert time, would you remind them that as they look to you, you're the one who brings us life, and life to the full. Father, may we know it, just blessed with your special favor and your wonderful peace. In Jesus' name, amen.